Mark Rines. This is my wife, Cindy. Uh, we've been married for two and a half years, and I've been coming to this church for two and a half years. Uh, when I met Cindy, she was coming to this church, and I was not going to church at all. I, I was saved when I was 18, but I was living in the world for about 25 years. Uh, when I told my friends about Cindy and, and how she loves her church, they, they would tell me, don't let her change you. You've got to be yourself. You've got to be yourself. When I tell Cindy about my friends, she would say, pray. Uh, so I started praying, and, and I prayed. I prayed for, for God to bless our relationship. I prayed for God to uh, touch my heart and, and make me want to pursue him, to know him better. And I prayed for uh, strength. I'm, I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'm a huge mama's boy, and I thought I would never leave Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, so I pray for strength to, to move away and, and to, to have this life with Cindy. Uh, and, and sure enough, God just started answering my prayers. Uh, and, and God started changing me to be a better man for Cindy and to be a better man for him. And uh, here I am. And, and I got to tell you, this is like one of the hardest things I've ever done is standing in front of people with a microphone. I, I haven't held a microphone in my hand since I was in first grade. And I thought then I will never do it again. So when they asked me to do this, I, I just looked at Pete and Cindy. I said, you know, you guys are out of your tree. There's no way I'm doing this. And uh, I lost sleep for three days. In three days, I, all I could think about at work was, was what I was going to say. And uh, just talking to God, he answers your prayers. He, he makes you step out where you're not comfortable, but, but he leads the way for you. He gives you stuff to say. He, uh, the first time we went to uh, uh, our Thursday night light group, I, I sat in the car and I told Cindy, I said, I feel so weird right now. I don't think I can go in here. I don't know anybody. I, you know, and if, if I don't know them, I don't want nothing to do with them at that point. And uh, she taught me into going, and now two and a half years later, we still go to our Thursday night light group, and, th and these group of people are amazing, amazing. So if you're not in a light group, I say get in a light group because it's, it's a bond that you can't find anywhere else. And uh, I think that's all I got. So, sorry. Um, yeah, so we were asked to do this, and um, he was kind of my out for a few minutes because he said no, and I'm like, cool. All I have to say is Mark said no, we're out of it. But then God talked to him, and I was stuck. But um, <laughs> also, uh, you know, the stress and terror and horror of doing this, I've literally lost six pounds in two weeks, so I'm volunteering for the next two weeks to do whatever you need me to do. Anyway, okay. So um, I've been a member for the, uh, of this church for about nine years, and so is most of my family. And um, about the last seven years, I've been on the worship team, which is like the biggest honor in the world because there's nothing better than worshiping God and just giving him all the glory for everything because it's not about us, it's about him. And, uh, you know, I glorify him for what he's done in me and for me and most of all in spite of me. Um, I don't have a perfect Christian walk to share with you. I wish I did, but... Uh, it's a constant struggle for the guilt that I have that I don't. Um, but six years ago, I was in the darkest pit of my life, but God pulled me out. And uh, I can't change mistakes. I can't change hurts, anything that I've done in the past. But God still has given me a future. And I think that when you go through something like this and you accept 
and you feel his forgiveness, it humbles you with other people. You can love easier. You can forgive things you didn't think were forgivable. You judge less. You don't say, I can't believe they did that. I, can, I would never do that. Because when you say, I would never do that, you just open the door. So, you know, five years ago, um, Mark was put in my life, and it made absolutely no sense. The difference between us, the distance between us, 1,800 miles for two and a half years, and it made no sense. And we were both so damaged. But God saw something good that could come out of this. And uh, two years later, two and a half years later, we're married. Um, and we didn't start this marriage alone. God supplied us with an awesome family, with awesome support from them. And then... You know, right from the get-go, when he was here three weeks later is when we started the light group. and Because we needed to have support. We needed to have help. And people in this light group are people that we, uh, that I've known for years, that I would just do a hi and goodbye at the church every Sunday. And now they're like, I can't live without them. You know, if we're going through anything, they're a phone call away, a text away. They'll, get in, they'll jump in the car, whatever it is, whatever we're going through. Um, we meet every Thursday night. We cry. We pray. We laugh. We argue and we comfort each other, and we give each other grace, and it's fantastic, and it's amazing. So like you said, if you're not in a light group, you need to do it, because this is not enough. Sundays is not enough. You've got to carry it through, and you make some relationships. So um, like Frank said, we did this Mark Gunger uh, series in our light group, and it's amazing, and, and it's really, really good. And um, near the end of this uh, series, he talked about um, feeling unworthy and that you just screwed up so bad that God can't possibly use you. And, um, you know, some things you hear, people talk you through your life and they try and encourage you and talk to you about letting things go. And once in a while you'll get a little tidbit and you go, oh, yeah, I got it, I'm good, I'm going to, yeah, I'm walk with that. And then an hour later you're back to where you were. And uh, that night we saw this video. He said this one sentence, and this is my testimony. God's love is so powerful that he can take even your biggest mistake and turn it into something so beautiful that it won't make any sense to anybody. So that's it. Amen. Um, all right. Um, fam- family Sunday. And so uh, um, once a month we, we do this and we, we encourage the young ones to be in with us. Family Sunday used to be uh, the, the, wor- the youth would help out with the worship team, and if that was it. But we decided that Family Sunday should be just that. And so if you're visiting and you think, why are all these kids in here? Well, why not? I mean, I don't believe that the first century church had like, okay, get the kids out of here. You know, kids out in the streets. I mean, it wasn't like that. I mean, it was all family. And really, that's not to say there isn't a place for that, because there sure, surely is. But the, uh, the, the idea is that, you know, we... Um, uh, we're family. And, and we say that here at Living Grace. Yeah, we're family. Uh, well, what does that mean? Well, that means that God looks at us as families. He looks at us as individuals. And as a church, we want to become a church family. So the testimony you heard was about living out this family life beyond Sunday. And so we encourage you to do that. Be a part of a light group. Be a part of, of the things that go on during the week. And there's lots of that. Lots of sign-ups in the lobby for things and Check that out before you leave. Um, everybody say this. Christ in me. Christ through me. Christ out from me. Okay, Christ in me. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul the Apostle gives a little bit of an understanding of, of what that means. And um, if we could uh, uh, read this together. You guys, uh, can we go to the next screen, please? Um, next screen. 
All right, let's read this together. And, you know, I grew up Catholic, so every time I say let's read it to get together, I get this eerie feeling, you know, so, you know, like, shh, read it together. But let's read it together, okay? Paul the Apostle, go. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Very good class. I see some of you read faster than others, but that's okay. Thank you for holding up for the rest of us. The key word there is in Christ. In Christ. And I think there's about 16 times in, the, in uh, just chapter 1 of, of Ephesians that Paul references that. And so... Uh, J. Vernon McGee, a, a Bible expositor who's gone on to be with the Lord, uh, wrote this about that. And he said, The little preposition in, when it precedes Christ, is the most important word in this epistle. Could you imagine? One preposition in, he says, is the most important word in the entire book uh, letter to the Ephesians. He says, Theologians have amassed an array of imposing theological words to define our salvation, such as redemption, atonement, justification, reconciliation, propitiation, and the vicarious substitutionary sacrifice of Christ. Don't bother writing all that down. You'll be tested on it later, though. Just kidding. Right. All of these are fine, and each represents one aspect of the many facets of our salvation. None, however, seems entirely adequate. What does it mean to be saved? This is a question which is answered in utmost simplicity by the Bible term in Christ. To be saved means to be in Christ. A sinner who has trusted Christ for his salvation has as much right in heaven as has Christ or he has no right there at all for he is in Christ. Everybody say in Christ. All right. All spiritual blessings are in Christ. Everything that we have in our relationship with God is a result of what Jesus did and us being in fellowship with Him. Through the finished work on the cross and His resurrection, everything that heaven has is available for us through Him right now. Can you say amen? Everything that we have as believers in Jesus is because we are in Christ Jesus. So, in order to receive all of these blessings in heavenly places that Christ has for us, there's a key preposition. We must be in Christ, that is, dynamically united to Him and in Him. And the minute we are, we possess all that heaven has for us. Colossians 2.9 says it this way, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body so that you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. Paul says we are complete in Christ. Listen, all that heaven has for you, all that God has for you, all the abilities, all the power, all of the strength, it is all resident in heaven and it's there for you. 
right now as a result of your relationship with Christ. And so Christ in me is the key to all of that. Now Christ through me. We in America love, uh, you know, those who are independent. You know, we like the, you know, the self-sufficiency, you know, uh, um, during the pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and, you know, it, it, that, that commercial that's out. I'm a loner and loner's got to be alone. You know, and of course the guy hits the sign and falls off his horse and that's funny and the girl cries out and, and I think it's a funny commercial, but you know, you know, loner, no, we're, we're all alone. Remember that, that army slogan years ago, an army of one. And they show some young man, cause an old man wouldn't do it. They show some young man running through the desert all by himself. I think that's the most ridiculous recruiting commercial I've ever seen. Because if you want to be an army of one, you know what that means? That means you're going to die. Like, yeah, I'll sign up for that and I'll run across that field all by myself. You're crazy. Okay, sit down and wait for everybody to go together, all right? <laughs> um, Paul was privileged to see some things in heaven that he said were inexpressible. In order to keep him humble, and he might not boast in the things that he saw, he was given a thorn in his flesh. And there's lots of understandings about what that thorn may be, and that may not be the issue as much. But the issue is that he prayed for this thorn to be removed and here is God's answer to him. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul, Paul will boast. Paul, Paul w- w- was a man who would boast. And here's, but here's what he'll boast in. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? So the power... Uh, so that Christ's power may rest on me, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Could you imagine if there was a seminar you could have at UNLV, and you were talking about the character traits of Christianity, and, and one of those would be weakness. And so we as Christians, we rejoice in our weakness. I could just see some young people going, What? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, weakness is not a virtue that we want to pursue. Let's be. You know what, guys? Could you imagine you're coaching a little basketball team and say, okay, guys, I want you to go out there and I want you to be weak. (laughs) It's like humility, right? Go out there and be as humble as you can be. but, But in the context of what he's saying, it does make sense. And he says... I can't receive God's strength until I know my weakness. We can't receive the sufficiency of God's grace until we know our own insufficiency. Or I can't embrace the power of Christ working through me until I understand my own lack of power. And I think as we talk about moving out in the power of God and the power of God flowing through us, that one of the things that blocks it is our own self-sufficiency. We look at things from a a, a natural perspective and we say, there's no way that I can do that. There's no way. I'm not gifted in that area. I don't have strength for that. That's not my calling. I don't even want to do it. You know, Mark shared about when he was asked to come up here and speak. And I understand that public speaking is like the number one fear that people have. 
You know, and, and, you know, he kind of shared that, you know, when he was asked, the very first thing he said was no. And talking to him earlier, it was like no, no, and no. And then God started working on a Monday night. You know, when someone asks you to do something and you can't sleep, you know, that might be an indicator God's trying to get your attention. Okay, one night, no sleep, two nights, three nights, just wrestling and finally saying, okay, God, like if I was going to do this, but I'm not, but if I was, like, what would I say? And Mark told me that Wednesday at work, God went boom and just downloaded it right to him. What's the principle? The principle is in his weakness, he was made strong. In his, now, if he hadn't have said that he did not want to do this, if he would have said that, if he hadn't have said that, after he spoke, would you have thought that he didn't want to do it? You wouldn't have, would you? You would have said, hey, that guy, that guy really had something to say. Oh, but he didn't want to do it. Yeah, because Christ was flowing through him. It was obvious, right? That's the principle. And so Christ in me is the key. And then after I understand Christ is in me, and then Christ works through me. But it's not in my strength. But it's in my weakness. It's in my inabilities. It's where I say, I can't do that. And, and, and then God says, I know you can't. That's why, see, if you don't think you can do it, you're in good company with Paul the Apostle. Because it's not you doing it. But it's Christ flowing through you. And then everybody say, Christ out of me. Christ in me, Christ through me, Christ out from me. And I know that sounds a little weird. Okay, but Acts chapter 17, verse 28. Um... A quote from Epimenides, a, 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 a Cretan philosopher from 600 B.C. And, and it's used in the scripture. Paul uses it when he's on Mars Hill speaking to all of these intellectual people. He, he grabs something from their history and he uses it. And it's in the eternal word of God. It's not a truth uh, uh, in, in the sense that it's uh, from a godly man who said it. But all truth is God's truth. And so Paul redeems this truth in a way to reach those who were there at Mars Hill. And he quotes him and it says this, for in him we live and move and exist. And Paul says, you know, in Christianity, that's true. Ephesians 1 says this, in him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Here's why, verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Okay, so Paul says that that these things we've obtained were predestined according to his purposes, and he works all things according to the counsel of his will. Here's why, folks, that we who first trusted in Christ should be what to, to the praise of his glory. There's a purpose. God doesn't call something into existence without a purpose. He doesn't bring someone near to Him without a purpose. He doesn't open our eyes without some reasoning and some purpose behind it. And Paul says that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory and so much more us as well. Christ in me, Christ through me, don't stop there. But you've been called, you've been chosen, you've been predestined, and there's a purpose and a reason for that. That you would not be happy... Although you might be. That's a part of it. That you would escape hell. Hey, that's a big part of it. But that's not the sole purpose. That you would feel good about yourself. Okay, that's a part of it. But that's not the purpose. Why 
Christ in me? Why Christ through me? And why Christ out from me to the praise of His glory? See, it's just the focus from us onto Him. That's moving out in His grace and in His mercy and in His power. Colossians 2 as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. All right, so everyone in the world, everyone, everybody, every human being has a citizenship. Now I know that my passport says American, my mom is German. Uh, my dad was black. So I have all kind of interesting conversations and people try to figure out who I am. And I say, don't worry. First of all, you'll never guess. And secondly, I don't look like who I am. <laughs> That's what happens when you're mulatto. You know, you kind of all mixed up. You know, well, what is he? I don't know. It depends on what side of the tracks I'm on, who I might be, you know. Oh, uh, what up, y'all? What? Where are you from? Oh, right around the corner, you know. Anyway. <laughs> but my citizenship is really in heaven. See, that transcends my culture, doesn't it? That transcends my race. That transcends all of that. And everyone is either a citizen of heaven or a citizen of Adam on earth. We are either in, preposition, in Christ or in Adam. Paul says it this way, 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-one. For since it was through a man that death came into the world... That's Adam. And through a man that the resurrection of the dead has come. That's Jesus. For just as because of their union of nature in Adam, all people die, so, contrasting, by virtue of their union of nature, shall all in Christ be made alive. Folks, we are either in Adam or we are either in Christ. Your citizenship is either stamped by Jesus Christ or stamped by our forefather Adam. And those whose citizenship is in Adam, Adam is the citizenship that leads to death. Those whose citizenship is in Christ is a citizenship that leads to life and heaven. Those who are in Adam are condemned in their sin. There's nothing you can do to change your citizenship on your own. We are all born with that citizenship, but you have a choice. And you can change and transfer your citizenship from Adam to Christ. You're accepted on the basis of what Christ did on the cross. You're clothed in righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. You receive what Christ did for you, not what you can do for yourself. And it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit who causes us to change and look more and more like Jesus every day. And so, Christ in me, Christ through me, and Christ working out from me. So I have this uh, devotional that I get, and I, I shared uh, with um, last service that I get it uh, uh, from Walt and Bernadette. I don't think they're here this service. And, uh, and you know, if you email me something, and, and, and I, I typically look at what time I get it, and I just you know, Walt and Bernadette need to be sleeping at 4 in the morning. I mean, they, need, they don't need to be emailing for me. I don't know. <laughs> like, what are you all doing up at 3.30 in the morning, man? Well, anyway, this is cool because it relates. And, and this is, uh, what's this devotion called again? Jesus calling. Yeah, this is cool. I got this this week. And I thought, oh, Here, here's what it says. It says, living in dependence on me is a glorious adventure. Most people scurry around busily trying to accomplish things to their own strength and ability. 
Some succeed enormously, others fail miserably. But both groups miss what life is meant to be, living and working in collaboration with me. When you depend on me continually, your whole perspective changes. You see miracles happening all around, while others see only natural occurrences or coincidences. You begin each day with joyful expectation, watching to see what I will do. You accept weakness as a gift from me, knowing that my power plugs in most readily to consecrated weakness. I love that, consecrated weakness. Whoa. You keep your plans tentative, knowing that my plans are far superior, and you consciously live, move, and have your being in me, desiring that I live in you, I in you, and you in me. This is the intimate, and I would say ultimate, adventure that God offers. Dependence upon Christ, understanding He's in you, and through you and working out from you is, I think, the key to the absolute best possible life you can live on this earth because it's not about you. It's about Him. Question, as I close my part, are you in Christ Jesus? Are you in Christ Jesus? Are you in Adam or are you in Christ you know, when I was deciding what college to go to, uh, you know, there's this thing that you have to do. It's called the National Letter of Intent. And today they make a big deal out of it. And if you're a really big player, it's on ESPN. And they have all these hats out in front of them. And, and they'll look at one. And some coaches have him in cardiac arrest someplace. And then he'll move around and pick up another hat. And then he'll pull it out from the... And he puts that hat on. And he goes, I'm taking my talents to Miami Beach or whatever it is, right? Here's the thing. Is that at some point you had to sign... You know, and that was the thing. They wanted to get you, you know, telling you all about, you know, life here and life there. And I had one more visit to take when I was being recruited, and that was the University of Hawaii. And my mom wouldn't let me go. <laughs> oh, no, you're not going to Hawaii. I think she knew something, like, I may never come back. Yeah, I might still be over there. But at some point, you had to sign. You had to say, all right, coach, you know what? I'm in. Right? And, and, and that's my question to you. Are you in Christ Jesus? And I want to give you an opportunity right now. I want to pray with you to receive that. Understanding that it's not as simple as just praying. It's saying, I'm in. Beautifully, earlier today, this young man, uh, uh, you know, he, he said, he, he described his life as 32 years of madness. And he comes up after service and says, man, I want to do this. I, I, I want to ask him, man, do you understand what this means? Do you understand you're giving over your life to Christ? And you're saying, man, I'll do, you, I'll do your bidding. I'll do you. Yes. Yeah, what a beautiful thing. I want to give you that opportunity. We have a song right after this, guys. If you want to worship team, you want to make your way up. And would you pray with me? If you're a follower of Jesus, just pray right now. Pray, and I want to pray with the rest of you. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity that you give us to join you in what you're doing. God, um, um, there's an there's a, a opening of our eyes. There's an there's a, 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 a understanding. There's an agreement that we must come with you. Lord, you will not change your entry into heaven, your in, our entry into relationship with you. You are willing and you are, are so ready to covenant with us and to to give us all that you have, but we must 
first acknowledge that we want to come to you your way, not our way. Because religion tells us how to get to you and relationship, God, you show us how to come to you. There's a difference. Religion forces us to follow rules and regulations that are man-made. Relationship draws us to you out of love that you have for us. And maybe this afternoon you're like, man, that's me. I'm, I'm far from God. I don't know. I, 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 I don't even know if I'm in Christ, which means I'm in Adam, and I'm not comfortable with that. There's a churning in your heart. God's Spirit is speaking, and you know that's Him. I, 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 I would say to you that maybe today you need to confess to Jesus Christ, acknowledge, and say, you know what, God, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm in Adam. That's a death sentence spiritual death. I'm going to die physically, but more importantly, I'm going to die spiritually. And I don't want that. God, I want to, I want to, I'm agreeing with you and I want to turn to you and live for you. And, and, and you, your heart's agreeing with that. And you're like, yeah, that's me. And, and, I'm, and I'm done with this life and I'm done striving and pushing and I'm done shoving Christ to the side. And I want God, I want your love. I want to, I'm, I'm acknowledging that this morning. I, I, I need you. And it's not about me, it's about you. It's for your glory. It's for your name. I don't want to be an army of one. I want to be a part of your body. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, yeah, Pastor, I agree with you. That's me. I'm, I'm tracking with you. God's spirit is, is, is working in my heart. And I want that. Yeah, raise your hand and say, yeah, Lord, that's me. Anybody at all? Give me that opportunity. It's important. Biggest decision you'll ever make. share with you a little bit about me. Um, in the 90s, the Lord took me um, into a special opportunity I had to meet with, um, in a new church I was going to, to meet with a group of ladies who were learning about worship dance. And at that time, I had never seen anything like it, and it was a group that would do choreographed dances, special music stuff like that for the church. But during that time, um, that leader, her name's Karen Gordon, she's here today, and she taught me things that I had never known before about the Lord. She showed us words in scripture that most often is translated as worship, and that we maybe just skim past as worship, but she showed us the deeper meanings. There were words like, um, talal, should probably correct me, <laughs> that means to spin and twirl. And it says that even the Lord rejoices like that when one comes into his kingdom. So when you think about the Lord spinning and twirling, that's like a dance, right? And then there are some words like proskuneo, which means to bow down and kiss. Like, like if you're at the foot of the king's throne. 
and she taught me that worship was more than just standing and singing. That worship was involved with all of my being, with body, mind, and soul and spirit. And it was it, it took me to a deeper level of understanding than I'd ever had before. So let's fast forward to just a year ago. I hadn't been dancing much. Life had taken over and I hadn't done a lot of anything like that in probably more than a decade. And my, my family went through some major trials and the Lord started calling back to dance. And it wasn't calling me back into a dance team, but just a dance before him, just me and him. And I remembered those things that I had been taught that he wanted my heart, he wanted my mind, he wanted all of me to, to dance for him. And eventually, I wasn't just standing in place, just, you know, at a worship service, raising my hands or, you know, communicating to him my love to him. I was back in the corner of the building dancing. And, and that wasn't a normal thing for me. That was a stepping out and that was going deeper. And then one day in service, I came here. And one day the Lord said, um, don't dance today. Okay, Lord, are you sure? Like, like the Lord isn't sure what he tells you. And he said, don't dance. So I stood, got in the aisle I was in next to my husband and my daughter, and I worshiped. And all through worship, three or four songs, I stayed next to him. And the last song, the Lord said, now I want you to go and dance. And I was like, are you sure, Lord? And I think it was me that wasn't sure. And he said, yes, get out and dance. I said, where? And he said, in the aisle. Now, I've never danced in the aisle. You want me in the aisle? Yes, are you sure? <laughs> and he, and he, yes, get in the aisle. So I get in the aisle, I get on my knees, and it's, the music begins, it's a song I don't know. Okay, it's one thing to dance to a song that you do know. It's another thing to dance spontaneously to one that you don't know. So I knew that the Holy Spirit, that the Lord was going to have to lead me, which he had been training me to do for some time. So I started to dance to the song. And in the song, the words were talking about going deeper, getting to know him and going deeper. And I knew he was talking to me. But then partway through the dance, he did something he'd never done for me, uh, with me in dance here before. He told me to turn and dance it out to you all. I'm not from the South, so I may have said that wrong. But to y'all, to Living Grace, he wanted you to know that this song and the words and the dance was his call to you to go deeper. He wants you closer. He wants to know you more. He wants you with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength to get to know him more. And I believe what he's been doing for me is what he's calling you out to also. And that is, he wants you to go deeper. He maybe has something in your life where he wants you to go deeper, maybe in faith. Maybe he wants you to go deeper in trusting him. Maybe he wants you to go deeper in believing for his provision and for finances. Maybe he wants you to go deeper in trusting him for healing something you all know what that thing is and if you don't ask him because he's calling you closer and into a more intimate place with him and so we're going to do that song again and I realized that when I danced that day 
that really having the heart of God come through the dance and being in the lyrics that maybe nobody understood it but me. So I realized that if I'm going to do interpretive dance, that I may need an interpreter to interpret the interpretive dance. <laughs> okay. So that's why I'm blessed to have this opportunity to share what the Lord showed me that day. This dance has come out of that, but really it's for you. It's for you to stop and consider how does the Lord want you to go deeper. So listen to the words and let the Lord call you into that place to call you out on the water, to step out like Moses did and put his cane in the water, and he was able to lead the people into freedom. Like Joshua, he, he led his people into the new land, and the Lord's calling us into new things. Think about Nahum. He stepped into the water and washed, and the healing came because he stepped out. And then Peter, we all know that story, right? And he stepped out, and he walked with the Lord. So what is the Lord calling you to? And what is he calling you to go deeper into? Not that I've ever not gone off script, but we're about to do communion, but very quickly, Veronica said there might be an interpretation on that. And in the first service, I hadn't prayed about it. I thought, you know what, Lord, show me. And I won't go into the whole thing right now, but part of what he showed me was the Lord's calling us to step out on the water but more than step out on the water in faith, he's calling us to dance on the water. It's a song, Lord of the Dance, is particularly uh, connected to my heart because the situation regarding um, what happened with my mother dying and that song really being right there. And they talked about how Jesus is Lord of the Dance. And he danced through life. He danced in the stars he danced in the light. He brought that in. And on Fridays he died, he danced and brought us freedom, which is what ties into communion also. Part of the song goes, it's hard to dance with a devil on your back because it was all sin and everything was upon him. That was just part of what you were seeing there. It's not just walking on water in faith. He's not just calling us to step out and walk on water. That may be how it starts very slowly. He's calling us to dance upon the storms through his power. Sometimes think about time. And we as Americans and think of time linear. We look at it as this happened, then this happened, then this happened. Okay. God, the Hebrew thought which comes from God, time is more of, don't import, this is time. This is his plan. And what happens rather than a linear thing where uh, Adam and Eve, Abraham, you start dropping the water and it's like drops of things going on. Adam and Eve, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Jesus, John, um, Columbus discovering America. Just continues to add into things. Civil War. The Cubs winning the pennant for the last time. Then came World War I. That's scary, isn't it? But we tend to compartmentalize our time just like that. But God sees it as drops of water 
in his, his plan. Okay? Filling time until his plan is fulfilled and overflows. In that comes some of our stuff, which we pass this around. These are the things you filled out. These are some of the things that have gone on in your life. And you know what? Some of these things I can't... Let me just read one. (laughs) Some of these things happen in our lives, and oh, that's in the past. The ones that I filled out, some of them, one of them was from the beginning in our marriage, my sins against the marriage. That goes back over 30 years ago. Some of them, one of them was things from my childhood, wounding. And we like to say, oh, that's in the past. You know what? There's some stuff that stirs up that that pain from then, the abuse, the hurt, is as real at this moment at times as it seemed to be back then. But this is God's plan. This is our stuff, our junk, or other junk that's been thrown in, into the time. But God's not, oh my gosh, I forgot, who put that one in? Oh, now what do I do? This is God's plan. And our stuff is all in there and stirred. Not our plan for, it's not God's plan that we had to sin, but I'm talking about the plan overall for mankind. Nothing has thrown him off. As a matter of fact, these things that have gone on here and are as real from some of us today as they were before, or maybe we stuffed them down and tried to ignore them as quickly as we can, God had a plan for it. It's all completely covered by the blood of Christ. As you choose to allow it to be covered. It's not just a matter of you saying, Jesus is God. Sorry, but most any fool can say Jesus is God if you start to dig in and understand it. But it's Jesus is Lord of my life. With that, all of this stuff is covered. Covered and washed away. And... um... As Pastor Richie spoke about, we were insufficient. We were created, really, to be insufficient on our own because we were created for relationship with God and each other. So he did, God didn't make us to be independent. He made us to need him and need each other. And um, But, again, as, as Frank said, God wasn't surprised. He wasn't surprised by man's sin. He created us, even knowing the mess we would make, but he already had a provision for it. And God provides, and our part is to trust and utilize his power. That's what today is about, to trust. Not only for the covering of our sin, God provided for our sin. And he, he continues to do that. And, and as you notice in here, nothing is far from the blood of Jesus. It can be saturated. The only thing that keeps it from the power of Christ is us not trusting, not surrendering it to him. But it's all, it's available to everyone, every sin, every time. For all time, past, present, and future, God has sovereignty over all time. And um, 
Somebody said to me last, a couple of people actually after last service said, you know what, one of our problems is we go fishing back in here, into this mess. We try and, you know, whether it's through guilt or whatever, we go back into that. And it's like, no fishing. Don't go back in there. What God wants to do besides, in addition to healing our sin, his grace is sufficient for us becoming his image and likeness like he planned from the beginning and making disciples. His grace is sufficient to do signs and wonders and give us revelation for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? His, to bringing people to the Lord in your work, in your school. His grace is sufficient. As you heard from people today, they were uncomfortable. They were uncomfortable. But they weren't left alone. Hear that. God's power is sufficient. It was even sufficient for getting them here today, getting up in front of people. His grace is sufficient. His power is sufficient. And it's all made, Jesus lived that out for us, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And that's what we want to commune with him in. We're going to celebrate communion. And um, right. And if the ushers would um, come up with the elements. But we're, we ask you to save it this time. Usually a lot of times on Family Sunday we ask you to get in groups. But we specifically want to take it as a body today because, again, it's not, yes, Jesus died for me, but he, but he died for the sake of the holy name of God and to have his glory multiplied throughout the earth. And we do that together. We do that together, okay? Not one of us can be his glory throughout the earth or multiply his glory throughout the earth. We do that together. So as the elements are being passed, um, there's going to be a song sung. We just ask you to hold your elements and then to reflect and pray during that time. Good morning, church family. My name is Dale Kincaid. This is my loving wife, Lisa. Leads worship. You've probably seen her smiling face quite a bit. Um, we've been called up to pray over the tithe, so I need the ushers to come forward, please. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, so grateful. Um, the health that we have, the finances that we have, gifts from you. We acknowledge this, Lord, and we thank you. We seek your blessing upon the money that we would uh, lay out for you. Your psalms tell us that the gold is yours and the silver is yours. It's all yours, Lord. We're just returning part of it. We ask that you would bless that, that you would use that as you use us, that you would give people who uh, don't have food to eat, that they would be blessed by this giving. People that don't have shelter would be blessed by this giving because of us being your hands and your feet in this way that we worship you with our tithe. So we seek your blessing, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Anyway, I'm Dale, and this is Lisa. We've been fellowshipping here just over two and a half years. Lisa's on the worship team. I hide back in the sound booth, and uh, we're blessed to be here. We're blessed to be with you. And with that, I give it to her. Good afternoon. I'm going to try and keep this short. Um, what I'm actually going to share is something that God was working through me a long time ago. And um, early on in our marriage, uh, we were unequally yoked. I was saved. My husband was not. Um, as we were 
you know, as I was growing in the Lord and um, just my love for the Lord and wanting to serve him kept growing. Um, And God was stirring in my heart um, through Malachi chapter 3. And I'm just going to read a little bit of it um, so that you get the gist of what God was doing. Um, It's chapter 3 and verse 6 through um, 12. If you get the chance, go back and read it. It's really good. Um, But in verse 6, the first thing that jumps out is, I, the Lord, do not change. So that was important to remember. God does not change. Um, Return to me and I will return to you. And I'm going to jump down a little bit. Um, In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. So as God was stirring this in my heart, I had been giving. I'd been going to church, and God was showing me amazing things through his word, and um, God was telling me to tithe. I'm like, how am I going to tithe? My husband doesn't even believe in the Lord. How am I going to go to him and tell him, okay, babe, I want to give 10% of everything that we make to the Lord. (laughs) He's going to think I'm crazy. But I was praying about it, and the Lord said, you know, I want you to do this. So I went to my husband, and I asked him. I was like, Lord, you know, I was like, okay, Lord, you got to speak through me because he's not going to go for this. And I just asked him, I said, went to him and asked, can I tithe just on what I make? Not what you make, just what I make. Um, And, you know, we'll try it out. If, you know, if we can't pay our bills after like three months, um, I'll stop tithing and we'll go back to what we were doing. And lo and behold, the power of the Lord, (laughs) he agreed to it. And I was like, okay, cool. So I think it was like two or three times that I had written out my tithes check. And for me, it was odd. So I was like, wow, this is, you know, more than, you know, I'm used to giving. (laughs) You know, how are we going to pay this and pay that? And, you know, but I did it. I stepped out in faith and we did it. And um, it wasn't two or three times after that. And we got a phone call from my boss. And she had said, guess what? we're getting a raise. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, and normally when we got a raise, it was two or 3%, you know, cost of living raise. And when she told me what we were going to be making and I figured it out, it was 13%. So not only did God give that 10% that we gave him, <laughs> he gave it back to us plus some. So you can't outgive God. Um, just um, and in that, he started ministering to my husband. So I'll let him share about that. Giving 10% of her check, she gets a raise for 13%. You realize that it cost us nothing to tithe. To give God some of his money back, it's all his anyway. It cost him nothing. It cost us nothing. Win-win. So we become tithers. We're tithers. We, that's what we do. We tithe, and it seems like our cars last a little longer, or tires don't wear out as fast. Our life is, is blessed. It's not the only blessing. It's not a financial one-for-one one or give or take. I mean, our health has been good, and 
Uh, our family hasn't had any major, major catastrophes, and, and we're just blessed. So not only are we testi- trusting him with the money, we begin, I begin to trust him more with decisions. Should I get this new job, Lord? Is it okay to pray for a better job? I'm, I'm a new Christian. I'm clueless. Um, but I'm trusting more and more, and we're there. And we're participating, and we're seeing the blessing. Our son goes to Afghanistan a couple of times. We're praying hard, and we're trusting the Lord, and he's come back safely. Praise the Lord. Um, we get um, news because Lisa has a doctor's appointment. Suspicious. They take some tests. She turns out to have breast cancer. We're devastated, obviously, but we're trusting in the Lord. We have always taken care of our insurance needs through my job. It's always been sufficient. She was working for a church, and we didn't want to burden them with the amount. So our insurance took care of everything. Just before she gets the uh, uh, diagnosis, they have a period once a year where you can sign up for the insurance. For whatever reason, the Lord, I assume, Lisa decides to sign up for the insurance where she works. We now have double insurance. And it's six months later, I suppose, eight months later, we get this diagnosis. Between the two insurances, they covered so much. Uh, One therapy session might be $10,000 every chemo session. And she had multiple times of that, plus other things. There's a surgery involved. It's expensive. But out of our pocket, we probably spent $1,000. That's the grace of God. We're obedient to him. He's faithful to us. We're tithers and happy for it. Um, So I recommend it. We recommend it. Um, We should be God's people handling God's money, God's way. And that's what we try to do. And just something to remember, um, we're not name it and claim it kind of people, that that's not what we're getting at. Um, it's about being obedient. Um, God doesn't change. And sometimes he's waiting for us to step out in obedience before he pours out that blessing. You know, sometimes God is just waiting for us. If you just take one step towards me, you have no idea what I'm going to do for you. Um, and when he says that he's going to throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, I don't think that's necessarily um, monetary things or material things. Part of the blessing of walking with the Lord is the peace that he gives us in trials like cancer, in trials um, like being out of work or whatever it might be. God is faithful, and he's ready to pour out those blessings when we walk in obedience. Um, Pastor Richie said, Uh, One of the quotes that he got that really struck me was living in dependence in God and working in collaboration with him. So, again, using God's money, God's way for his glory.